I also understand you're a hockey fan, which means you're a fan of the Ottawa Senators. I'm a right? huge fan of the Ottawa Senators, Alex. Yeah, and you're hoping for big things this year. Hoping for big things. Yeah. In fact, but... I uh, host a Senators podcast. Uh, oh, you do? Which is uh, has a theme song which is based on Billy Joel's scenes from an Italian restaurant. Uh-huh. And uh, we do a lot of sort of 70s soft rock humor mixed with Ottawa Senators hockey, and uh, it has limited appeal. <laughs> I got news for you. For me, that would have a lot of appeal. Well, I I'll like both. Tell you all about it after. Okay, good for you. You dyed it in red. Remember Todd White? Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask. It's the Chet and Luke podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode Anderson of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who I absolutely refuse to give up in any trade for Matt Duchesne. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? Pleasure to be here. You know what? I'm happy Love you're the show. here. That's good to hear. Um, how you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a little while since we've done a podcast, but I'm glad that we were able to capitalize on the momentum of the last one by uh, waiting as long as we have. But, you know, as I recall, a couple of weekends ago, you were uh, you were not feeling too well. And then last weekend we went to Binghamton. That's true. We did. The Binghamton Senators are having their last season in Binghamton, New York, and we wanted to go say goodbye. Binghamton is so much fun. I love Binghamton. What's your favorite part of Binghamton? And why is it Boskovs? <laughs> oh, we're getting inside Binghamton now. This is now the uh, Binghamton Trip Advisor podcast. No, it's just a fun place to. Uh, it's just a fun place to go. You know, it's got some good bars. It's got very passionate uh, B-Sense fans that we get to meet up with every time we go down. And you know, for a city that's basically the same distance from Ottawa as like Toronto, it's a great place to go and uh, spend a night, see a hockey game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I think. I think we should go back next year to watch the Belleville. Senators play the Binghamton I, Devils. I would definitely be up for that. Um, I like a few things about Binghamton. I like the fact that the hotel we stay in, the Holiday Inn. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> oh, great! Now we're gonna have to check in under a fake name next time. Fantastic. <laughs> I like that it's a three-minute walk from the arena. So what we did was, as soon as the B-Sens game ended, uh, they won, by the way, beat Rochester. Americans! And we just ran back to the hotel room to watch the end of the Sens-Leafs game, <laughs> which the Senators also won. Right. I have to hand it to uh, Holiday Inn. They really have great Wi-Fi when you're streaming an illegal uh, hockey feed because you can't get the Sens-Leafs game on the seven channels that they offer. <laughs> that is a strange part about being in America. You're just so used to hockey being on anywhere in Canada, like at any time of the day, any time of year, you can turn on the TV and find a hockey game somewhere. And then you come to the United States and it's like, where's the where's the where's the hockey game? Why don't I have a selection of like 14 different hockey games right now? And the answer is, oh, this yeah, is because a, it's the dunk competition. This is a good character for us to develop. The extremely entitled traveling hockey fan who gets irate that at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, he can't get OHL highlights on any major sports channel. You know, what do you mean I can't get OHL? Well, surely at least you've got Swiss League. I mean, I need to I need to catch up on what uh, what Zurich is doing. Which team they didn't even have the Swedish Elite League? What do you mean? <laughs> Nolan Patrick is going to go number one, and I can't find out what he did last night on a major sports network. Come on, get it together, upstate New York. 
I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, shortly before the um, before the podcast started taping uh, on this uh, Saturday, get your boys are back in town ringtone ready because uh, Mike Blunden and the Phil Veroni are coming back to the Senators. Oh, baby. <laughs> Feel the thrill. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for it. When they sent uh, Bailey and McCormick down uh, before they announced the call-up, I was like, oh, it must mean Stone and Hoffman are ready to go. But uh, it just means that we're bringing in the big guns. We're bringing in the real big guns for now. They saw uh, Ottawa get shut out 3 nothing to an extremely fadeable Carolina Hurricanes team and decided, no, we need the scoring. We need the scoring touch that only Mike Blunden can provide. <laughs> you know, obviously the Senators are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Stone is out. Hoffman's out. Ryan's out. Although, of the three, that's probably the lowest impact in terms of injuries. I can see Bobby Ryan getting picked up by Vegas if he is exposed. Do we have to say that? Do we have to say the phrase, <laughs> expose Bobby Ryan? Okay, what, uh, what would you that's prefer? That's not very tasteful. What would you prefer? I don't know. It, unprotected Bobby Ryan? Is that <laughs> better <laughs> what did they um, um what did they call it in sparta like what's the greek word for when they would take the babies and just leave them outside for a week and whoever survived got to join the army uh, uh parenting well, parenting parenting yes. let's parent bobby ryan uh <laughs> along with uh with a couple other dudes yeah um no it is probably the lowest impact just because stone and hoffman the two guys that have actually been generating offense all year are also out and they say that stone may be back sooner stone may be back Back on Sunday, he's been dealing with a, a neck strain, whereas um, Hoffman has a groin injury. And even though, you know, on the surface, you might say, oh, well, I'd be more concerned about Stone having a neck injury. You know, it's head area. Uh, he's had these concussions. Like, who knows if there's going to be other symptoms? I would, if anything, take more time to bring Hoffman back, you know, because you can ask any doctor. Uh, the groin really is the neck of the leg. And, you know, it's for a for a Dominic hockey player question. like Hoffman that depends on speed and explosiveness as much as he does. Like you really want to you really want to make sure that that kind of heals up. Right. Because, I mean, I'm sure you remember Jason Spezza's trick groin going out every year and him always coming back too early and then always needing surgery in the offseason. Sorry, I'm still I'm still getting over the groin is the neck of the leg. Well, tell me that it I'm isn't. I I can't. That's I. I've just never looked at it that way before. So I appreciate you bringing such uh, enlightenment to me. Uh, um, I could have been a vet. I don't wish ill on Jason Spezza. I want to make that very clear. Okay, but it is annoying that he hasn't been hurt that much <laughs> because. <laughs> The big thing that people were worried about when we were looking at re-signing Jason Spezza was his injury history, and he was going to be considered a, a high-risk signing. So Ottawa had to trade him so that they could, you know, keep Bobby Ryan. No, absolutely. And, and I, I had thought for many years that the song My Neck, My Back was actually about Jason Spezza. So now that Jason Spezza hasn't been that hurt and Bobby Ryan gets hurt every year, it's very irritating. It, it is. It is exceedingly irritating. And... But it's also why I want to take the time necessary for Mike Hoffman to get healthy if he has a groin problem. Because Spezza, like, I feel like for years it was always the nagging groin with Spezza. And it was only the last couple years where it became the back. And at that point, it was kind of like, okay, well, now this is like your back is kind of most of your body. So <laughs> I don't think this is going to end all that well. And you're right. He's been irritatingly healthy since he got to Dallas, uh, which probably means that they have uh, some kind of uh, HGH or something uh, that we just uh, we just hadn't figured out in Ottawa. It does kind of bring major questions in terms of what Pierre Dorian should do at the trade deadline in a couple of days, because all things being equal, I think 
Pierre Dorian was like, I like my team. Like, we've played well. This is going well for us. We're, you know, second in the division. We're only two points back of Montreal. We're in a good position to make a run. And then suddenly all the good players get injured at the same time. <laughs> and if you're Pierre Dorian, you're kind of like, maybe you feel that you have, you have a responsibility to bring in some players who can help both long and especially short term. I think you're right. I think they will do something. I don't think it will be as big as Matt Duchesne. I think it will be probably more of a modest, like, depth kind of move. Like, my guess is Pierre Dorian is probably fairly happy with the Senators' defense, just because even if any metric you want to pull out will tell you that they're not, like, capital G good, uh, Mm -hmm. they are definitely capital B better on account of uh, Guy Boucher's system. So I think so I don't see them taking a chance on somebody like a like a pure rental like a Kevin Shattenkirk because like there's no way they're going to give up assets for somebody that they won't be able to re-sign like the Senators going price for any pure rental over the last several years has been a second round pick. Uh, So if they get Kevin Shattenkirk for a second round pick knowing he's going to walk, I'm sure they'd do that deal. But uh, outside of that, it's probably not going to happen. I think the injuries are gonna are going to you know motivate him to say the defense is okay and if anything we could even potentially get rid of CC uh, and replace him you know full time with with Freddie Clayson and or next year Thomas Shabbat and we'll be we'll be okay there but we don't currently allow a ton of goals but we certainly don't score a ton of goals so every time somebody gets hurt uh, you know we're in we're in big trouble so that's why I think if they're going to make a trade it's going to be for a forward. I definitely want to trade for Kevin Shattenkirk. He's like fourth in the league in defensive scoring. So that's kind of like just adding another forward who is also going to improve the defense. Um, I completely I agree. Is, is, that the, is that the problem is the uh, price on such a trade is going to be pretty big. But the only people I would not trade if I'm Ottawa at this point are Colin White and Thomas Shabbat. I think you could definitely get me to part with Logan Brown. I think that you could definitely get me to part with this year's first round pick. I mean, we've only got three picks in the coming draft, so I just tank the whole thing. Just stay away, save money, tell Eugene that you're saving money by not going to the draft at all. Tank a draft here and uh, make a run while the Atlantic division is terrible. I I completely agree. Not only is the you know Atlantic division terrible, uh, including us, uh, to be perfectly frank. I do think the East is kind of wide open in the sense that the Senators are going to get some tomato can like the Bruins or Leafs or Panthers in the first round. Sets you up to potentially play the Habs in the second. Uh, No worries there. And then one of Washington or Pittsburgh is going to beat the other. So you're really only going to have to face probably Pittsburgh in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. And by the time you get to that point, anything could happen. Eugene's got his revenue from two rounds. Who who says no to that? I, I agree with you completely. I would quibble with one thing, which is your untouchable list. And the only one that's untouchable for me is Shabbat. I would even consider trading Colin White if it meant bringing in somebody that would would make a real difference like a like a Matt Duchesne, for example. Okay, because that's the trade that's being talked about right now is like Cody Cece and Colin White and a first and like a roster player. And that's the that's the price on uh, on Matt Duchesne. But I think I guess you, the only problem is how are you going to pay for that contract? So I think if you if you leaving aside what you pay for Duchesne, I think if you bring in Duchesne or somebody at kind of an equivalent level of salary, there has to be some sort of longer term plan for like money in money out. And I would imagine what they'd be looking to do would be to try to twist Vegas's arm into taking Bobby Ryan, like getting some kind of agreement in place where they agree to take Ryan. But in order to do that, we have to give them something. 
or we have to pay half his salary for the next five years or something like that. I don't know that Vegas would have any interest in that regardless, but he is still a big name. He is an American. He does uh, spend his off season in the time zone. So I'm sure he'd be happy to, you know, move back west. That's the only way I can kind of see that working longer term. But they clearly have some sort of irons in the fire on on Duchesne and, and who knows who else. Uh, and by the time this podcast comes out on Monday, uh, I'm sure that this will be ridiculously out of date. Oh man, I was so I'm so not prepared to have this Bobby Ryan sucks now conversation. <laughs> no, but look, I'm telling you, I, I honestly think if I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm calling George McPhee and I'm saying we're going to expose him. If you don't want to pay his full ticket, that's fine. We can talk about it. But he's a big name. He's an American. He's a flashy goal scorer. Yeah, he's not worth all the money, but you guys need some stars. And I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, I'm at least trying it. That's the uh, that's the last move in kind of a washed entertainment star. <laughs> is you know when you start when you start playing the small rooms in Vegas oh. and uh you know, <laughs> that could be Bobby Ryan very soon. But this is this is this is exactly what you have to say to Bobby Ryan. It, you know, if he's sort of like, I don't want to go to Vegas. That's where stars go to end their career. I don't want to be Siegfried and Roy. And you say, no, no, no. Vegas is the place to be now. Celine Dion is there. Britney Spears is there. JLo's there. Like you can make a ton of money in Vegas, right? You don't have to work that hard. You do one show a night or every other night. It's a destination for people to come see you. Like Bobby, like if I'm Pierre Dorian. I'm trying to sell both Bobby Ryan and George McPhee on the idea of Bobby Ryan is the new Celine Dion as far as Vegas is concerned. And I think we can get there. Kick in Cody Cece. They can be Penn and Teller. It is... <laughs> The other possibility maybe is that they would take on a guy like Duchesne because they figure they're going to lose Mark Mathot in the expansion draft. Like, I think they're yes. I think they're ready to lose a defenseman, whether it's mm-hmm. Mathot or Weidman. And I think a lot of that depends on whether or not they can convince Phaneuf to waive his no movement. Like, it's a really weird year to sort of figure out what they do at the deadline, given the expansion draft, given the actual draft, which apparently is not even that good. Like, if you're going to trade your first or your second, like, this is the year to do it. If it's going to be, like, number 22 in a draft that everybody says is weak. The problem with evaluating any trade for Matt Duchesne is predicting the future. Do you give up CC because you think Clayson and England are going to be able to fill in in the bottom six and you can move up Weidman and then Shabbat does something? What happens if you lose uh, Mathot? What happens if you lose Weidman? Uh, you need so many contingency plans right now that I, I definitely can't see them moving CC without getting a defenseman back. Well, I mean, um, they, they could they could try to do a deal for like a depth defenseman. like, And that could be something where maybe you, rather than trade Curtis Lazar for a first round pick, you're not going to get. Maybe you go out and you trade him for like this year's Hal Gill, you know, like maybe you go out and you get that guy for the next few months. But I don't think they'll trade for for a defenseman unless they trade CC, but I don't think they would trade for a defenseman to add to what they currently have, including CC. Like if you look at next year, let's assume that they can get Phaneuf to waive his no movement through some, you know, kind of handshake deal with Vegas, where Vegas also takes Bobby Ryan. So we're getting two favors from Vegas. And so let's say they protect Carlson, they protect Weidman. Good choice. <laughs> and I don't know if they protect Mathot, right? Like, I mean, I could see a scenario where CeCe's traded, Mathot is taken in the expansion draft, but Weidman is protected. Because I think you protect Weidman before you protect Mathot. And you're looking at Carlson, Phaneuf, Weidman, Boro, Clayson, Shabbat uh, next year with like 
you know, maybe a depth guy or maybe an Andreas Englund kind of looking in on that. Um, and I think mm-hmm. they'd probably be, given, you know, the way the system's working so far, they'd probably be pretty comfortable with that. I guess if I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm probably calling up Vegas every two days being like, just tell me who you're going to take. <laughs> I just I just need to know. <laughs> do you want do you want Mathod? Just tell me. Well, and I suspect... Tell me who you want. But I suspect help me, that help you. what they'll do, you know, if they do get a good forward for, you know, CC then one of the advantages is it becomes easier to protect guys in the draft, right? Because you're mm-hmm. protecting Carlson, you're protecting Weidman. You have to protect Fanouf if he doesn't wave. If he does wave and CeCe's gone, then you can protect Mathot as well if you want to. They kind of don't need to worry about the defense if they trade CeCe in the expansion draft. If they keep him, then they have to expose at least Mathot and possibly Weidman as well. I, I feel like I'm one of those crazy guys with conspiracy theories and like red yarn all over my room right Right now trying to understand what's going on with his team it's like the injuries do we need to trade for an offensive player do we need to trade for a forward to you know fill in for bobby ryan but like how does that fit in with the expansion draft if we have to protect that same player later but what if we get a rental do we need this year's first round draft pick what about the defense can we get shattenkirk what if it's too much would you put in white not put in white do you re-sign shattenkirk do you re-sign shattenkirk with the money you save from losing the thought do they even take the thought <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's a fun time to be pierre dorian there's a lot of balls in the air for sure and when I was at the Sens game a couple of weeks ago, we went into the Sens store at the Canadian Tire Center, and one of the guys who worked in the store basically dashed over to inform us because they didn't want to put a sign up, but they did want to make sure everybody knew that today, Bobby Ryan, Curtis Lazar, and Cody CC jerseys were deeply discounted. <laughs> it's kind of like, I wonder what they know that we don't. Why on earth would you discount? And they also mentioned that there's never been a better time to buy a signed Andrew Hammond jersey, which I think was cheaper than all three of the other ones. But that was just sort of like, maybe this is just sort of market speculation, try to maximize the value of inventory uh, on the off chance that it becomes super unvaluable in a couple of weeks. But I thought it was a very interesting thing for the Send store to do, to be like, well, just on the off chance, we're going to discount the jerseys of the guys who are most likely to be traded. But we're not saying it's going to happen. Is the price of jerseys like one of these hidden variable things that, you know, the smart people who watch the stock market are like look for and <laughs> they know that like that now is the time to sell? They're like, oh, man, the jersey went down. This is it. Sell all the stock you have. I would, out, oh, you still can, guys. I would love to do some regression analysis on that. And when I say that, I, I say it facetiously because I wouldn't love to do any regression analysis on anything. Good. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, but for that theory to hold water, the guys who work in the Send store or whoever makes the policy decision on what should cost what in the Send store um, has to have some kind of line into the front office. Like at some point, Pierre Dorian has to be going down to the guys who are like putting the tags on the jerseys and saying, um, not uh, not leaking any information here, but just saying you uh, you might want to uh, you might want to mark a couple of these jerseys down down over the next couple of weeks uh yeah, just like hands hands him a sticky note face down <laughs> like, just just these players you're gonna want to 
You're going to want to move that product while you Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, Eugene wants to make sure we make as much money uh, on jerseys as we can this year. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's what Eugene Melnick, maybe that's why it works. Eugene Melnick said to Pierre Dorian, if you're going to trade anybody, make sure we don't get stuck with a bunch of dead inventory. <laughs> so before, this is, a, this is a telltale sign of how the management system really has changed in Ottawa under Pierre Dorian. Brian Murray used to leak things to the Ottawa Sun. Pierre Dorian leaks them to the Sen store. <laughs> I think we figured it out, Peristi. The uh, the real holdup in uh, in trading Cody CC is actually that they won't trade him until the jerseys get sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He is Pierre Dorian is calling the Sen store daily to make sure they're moving those CC jerseys out and and discounting them as much as necessary to get them gone uh, because he's got <laughs> it's like Smokey and the Bandit. He's got to beat that deadline, right? Like he's got to get those <laughs> he's got to get those jerseys out within the next week, or he can't trade Cody CC. <laughs> We're going to do what they say can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's actually calling. He's he's calling up uh, Phil in the send story. He's like, you got the hammer down, buddy? He's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know what? I think that's a good place to leave it. All right. Fair enough. All right, folks. Leave it with that. Good system to you all. And may the system smile upon all of us. And we'll see you next time. Whoa. For a couple of fellers who both still live with their moms Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on No other podcast was finer Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners We never thought they'd make it past episode 5 Whoa, somehow these dudes named Shed and Peristi are live Whoa, whoa, whoa how does Ottawa have Ryan Zingle on the team and he's not even the dude whose name is the most fun to say? <laughs> I when they announced that Wingles trade, I ran to hockey reference to search for any other active players that had a name with like Ingle. <laughs> Just because I was like, how do we hit the trifecta on this? You know, didn't happen. So if anything, it's so statistically improbable that Ottawa would have both Ingles players that they must have done it on purpose. Well, they have to. I mean, it is the idea that it would be random that the only two Ingles in all of the NHL and really throughout most of NHL history, if we're being honest, would end up on the same team at the same time. And in some cases, even on the ice together is so statistically insignificant. Like it's more likely that one of those new planets has has water and life on it than it is that ryan dezingle and tommy wingles just happen to end up on the same team proof of intelligent design in terms of the ottawa senators roster construction <laughs> you know like some sort of system <laughs>